My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our program will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring forward a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, in trying to fulfil that mission, we're in Northampton today, joined by Sam Strickland, Principal of the Dustin School, a large all-through school. Um, Sam, a very warm welcome to you today, and by all means, thank you for joining us on the program. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been brilliant, Sam, a real pleasure. And um, today, just for the listeners, um, we're going to be talking about the uh, the recent launch of uh, Sam's new book, The Behaviour Manual, an Educator's Guidebook. Um, now, I suppose um, the title of that uh, piece of work is a little bit self-explanatory as to who it's sort of aimed at, Sam, but just going into a little bit more detail, what is this book that you've written about and who exactly is it aimed at sort of within that kind of educator label? Yeah, so the book itself is divided into three kind of big, broad sections. The first section is entitled The Mothership. So it's thinking about the school in its holistic sense. So that section is aimed at at, at senior leaders, at school um, principals, heads of school, executive leaders, CEOs, and indeed governors. The the second section um, is, is entitled The Satellites. And it's thinking about kind of the middle leader layer within school settings. So what we're talking about here are your heads of year, your heads of house, your pastoral leads, your heads of subjects. And then the third section looks at kind of the micro level, um, which are classroom teachers ultimately. Um, but the idea within any kind of given section within the book is there's an introduction and a conclusion, which um, are quite wordy, I suppose, by comparison yeah. to the rest of the book. But then within kind of the frame of the book itself and within each section are a multitude and an array of strategies and approaches that schools can utilize and adopt and consider um, as part of their day-to-day behavioral approaches. The idea behind it, I I guess the the clue is in the name, is it's to serve really as a manual guide for anybody working in a school. So it might be that you want to do kind of a five-minute dip in, dip out and trial maybe a strategy to see how it works within your own classroom practice or your own school setting on the flip side you might want to book from cover to cover um but but it it contains over 120 um kind of key strategies or approaches every strategy or approach has its own um spread of two to three pages of information So, so in terms of how that's laid out and set out there is an explanation as to what the approach is, um, a series of kind of simple but straightforward instructions about how you can make it work, an advice and kind of section of key things to you know positively consider, and a few warnings of pitfalls you might fall into. So it's, it's very much intended to be a Bible guide to behavior and to securing a really positive culture, both in a, a broad holistic mothership school sense but also in that classroom setting as well yeah certainly sounds uh, straightforward uh, from my perspective and i suppose the key thing about it as well is the fact that you can sort of easily digest this piece of work so as you've said there clearly you don't have to read it from cover to cover it is something you can drop into take one or two and things out of and then obviously go and implement them any way you like yeah yeah absolutely 
And um, obviously, without kind of giving too much away, um, are there any examples of some kind of, you know, key lessons that school leaders can take away from the book, obviously, without sort of reeling off too much, because we don't want to dissuade people from going and actually reading it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed. So if, if I go with uh, the mothership section, which is obviously aimed at senior leaders, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, one of the, the first things within the, um, the book that, that we reference uh, is the importance of your strategic improvement, school improvement planning. So really considering really carefully just what it, what is it that you actually want for your school and the why, and what do you want the role of your senior leaders to be? Um, because it's, it's easy to kind of miss that when you're thinking about behaviour in schools. The natural kind of go-to is maybe a, a series of rules, uh, a behaviour policy, uh, which ultimately is just words on a page. And sometimes we kind of miss the, the, the deeper thinking that underpins the systems, the approaches, the routines, the narration, the explanation of why, why we need to behave in this manner, why we mm. need to have the systems that we have, and how we train staff to ensure that they are not just um, confident, but also highly successful um, in actually implementing the systems that you want to have in place. Yeah, again, certainly makes sense uh, from my point of view. Now, um, we've obviously established uh, the meaning behind the book, what it's intended to be, of course, but what kind of motivated you to put a manual like this together? What was the uh, the need, if you will, that kind of underpins the fact that you've wrote this? Yeah, I mean, this is the third book I've written, and in many regards, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But actually, this is probably the, the book I should have written first. Uh, it's an area that I'm hugely passionate about. Um, the school that, that I serve uh, as a principal for um, is a behaviour hub lead school. So we work nationally yeah. um, with the Department for Education in supporting other schools in behaviour. So it's, it's an area that, um, without trying to kind of sound arrogant, uh, I've got a lot of expertise in, I've got a huge passion and a drive for, because I, do, I really do fundamentally believe that if you can secure a positive culture, uh, in, in our school settings and really strong approaches to behaviour then teachers can teach and children can learn and actually everybody becomes far more successful uh, whether you are the teacher in terms of your teaching capacity and ability or whether you're a pupil in terms of actually ultimately when it comes to it outcomes but also your your welfare your well-being and your happiness at school so it's so kind of the motivation behind it was to try and share my own expertise, my own experience of, of several decades within the profession. I've tried to weave um, research into the book as well, uh, but, but giving it a real practical edge. And I wanted to produce something ultimately that people, I, I appreciate this is kind of mirroring one of the previous answers I've given you, but, but, but a book that people could pick up and put down yeah. quite easily, quite readily, and trial things to see how they work within their own setting. Um, at speed. I, I think about the life of anybody within this profession. We don't have lots of time. So the book is deliberately aimed at a profession that, that hasn't got time as a luxury for us to really consider kind of how we move things forward. So I'm hoping that this supports people who are already incredibly busy uh, within the profession. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And um, it just shows, it, doesn't it, that you know how behavior and managing behavior within educational settings has changed over the years because um i'm 28 years old myself so i was predominantly um, in school during the um sort of 90s and early 2000s and 
it seemed very much that behavior was dictated by these are the rules you follow them and if you don't follow them you will be punished for it um it's indicative isn't it that the way we manage behavior the way we view behavior and the way that we sort of lead those processes um that's changing isn't it and it's been changing for some time now yeah i would absolutely agree i think about the span of my own career uh, and the changes that I've seen with kind of the, the transition into social media, the explosion of the internet, mm. that's brought a, an array of challenges. Uh, safeguarding in its own right, and certainly with the pandemic, that's changed. Um, it, was all, it was always there as, a, as an issue for schools to have to contend with, but I think um, safeguarding has absolutely exploded since we've, we've kind of come back, for want of a better phrase. Uh, and within that, attendance is another issue that schools have really had to grapple on the back of, of the pandemic as schools have uh, welcomed back more and more of their school community. Because I would like to point out schools never really actually closed. Um, but but this is a society challenge. Society has changed and evolved certainly over the last few decades. Uh, and within that, the, the weight of expectation of what the arena of a school actually is. Um, I think that has fundamentally changed over the years from one of education in a traditional sense of, you know, your academic subjects, your, your program of delivery to wider, broader uh, societal issues that we've got to take into account and, and be able to address. Uh, and as much as we're trying to educate pupils, um, there is a kind of a subliminal message maybe in some regards of how we have to also educate parents mm. as well. Not all, but some. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the role and remit of a school has hugely changed. And I think the challenges in and around behaviour um, certainly have changed it in you know, it's certainly in mixed comprehensive schools yeah certainly and given that that transition is taking place i suppose that sort of justifies the need for kind of a manual like this let's say to help with that but do you think it's also indicative of the fact that you know this has been happening there's a whole load of new expectations being thrust upon schools over the years and maybe leaders within the profession haven't necessarily had the guidance from above that they've needed during that transition. They've been kind of left to fend for themselves quite a lot. Yeah, if I think back to, to my, again, my own career, I've had actually over the years very little direct training in and around behaviour. Mm. Uh, if I can, you know, cast back to my teacher training, there were two half-hour workshops about how to manage a class. Um, one was on the, the range and use of your voice and the other one was on basically the use of your hands, having your palms down and raising your eyebrows to show kind of displeasure. That doesn't really, you know, even you know, several decades ago, doesn't really set you up, uh, you know, to be confident to deal with behaviour in, in a classroom setting. And, and then I think throughout my career, most of my learning has taken place on the job, um, you know, shadowing people, working with more experienced people within the profession, which is a fantastic form of professional development, and I, I wouldn't want to negate that. But the level of actual input in terms of courses in and around behaviour has been really, really limited. Um, and, and there's certainly, again, I think through the, the, the course of my time in the profession, many of the, the, the wider um, nationally recognised professional qualifications that, that I've engaged with in, in the past have peddled the view that good planning leads to good behaviour. And that, I, I would refute, I don't think that is necessarily true. Um, you need the preconditions and the systems and routines of good behaviour in place to allow good teaching to actually flourish. Mm, again, makes sense uh, from my perspective, and I can certainly see where you're coming from there, Sam. And uh, do you think as well that, like, 
we need to see more training in this area over the course of the next few years for teachers since it's an area that maybe hasn't necessarily been given the emphasis that it deserves? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at teacher retention uh, within the profession and the, um, the exodus of teachers from the profession and people really only sort of lasting three to five years, there was a big exodus of people in that sort of first phase of their time within teaching. Mm. Um, Behaviour is often cited um, and school culture as a key reason why people not just leave schools but leave the profession as a whole. So I, I think there is more and more that needs to be done and I don't think it's any real accident that the Department of Education have pushed the Behaviour Hub agenda nationally and to try and support senior leadership teams that are, you know, want to be part of this particular scheme um, to really consider their school culture behavior, the systems that are in place. And I think kind of we always need to reverse engineer some of the thinking that's taking place within the profession because so much of our focus has been on teaching as in the, the training that goes into the, the, the delivery, but we've actually forgotten in some regards the importance of behavior, of systems, of routines, of school culture, which actually allows the teaching to happen. Yeah, and it's going to be important, this, for kind of retention of new teachers. You mentioned um, there, like, there was a, sort of an exodus in that kind of first phase. And uh, yeah. we're in a point in time now where it's a challenging environment for, you know, recruitment in a lot of industries. And I suppose with mm-hmm. education as well, um, it's it rings true across most sectors that we're seeing the expectations of prospective employees, and in this case, teachers, they're changing, aren't they? They're very much more aware of what are your well-being policies? What is your school culture? Um, are you being sort of CSR responsible? Um, what are what's this, that, and the other? They're much more inquisitive, aren't they? So these things are very, very important to new teachers, and this just emphasises the importance Absolutely. of addressing them, doesn't it? Because retention is going to be massive. Yeah, and I think all schools should really consider what their recruitment package looks like, uh, and, and by that. I think we need to get away from some of the, I'm going to be a bit flippant here, but some of the kind of historical dinosaur thinking around, you know, we have a book reading club and staff play football on a Friday after school and there's a yoga club. to so actually more deeper, more meaningful uh, approaches to workloads, mm. um, be it around marking, um, collaborative planning, the school culture, the attitude and approach to behaviour, um, you know, there are many, many people within the profession that will seek out schools that have centralised approaches to behaviour because it's that's not about de-skilling staff. It's about taking away an issue from them that actually detracts from their core job, which is to teach uh, and to consider the curriculum. Um, so I do think schools need to consider very carefully their, their, their approach to workloads, their recruitment packages, um, and their approaches to, to behaviour and their culture to try and attract people uh, because the the fishing pool ultimately of teachers that's out there is starting to shrink, um, as is indeed without you know, wishing to sound harsh, the quality as well. Mm. Um, and there were definitely regional variations nationally where there are in some areas, certain subjects, it's almost impossible to recruit people. Um, so you've really got to be kind of at the, you know, the, the sharp edge of, uh, of driving things forward to attract people to want to work in your, your establishment. Mm, absolutely and uh, to school leaders of course who are looking to you know kind of find some helpful tips for that sort of behavioral policy kind of thing 
this book is a perfect place to go. So um, the Behaviour Manual and Educator's Guidebook, Sam, um, whereabouts can people actually get hold of this? I know it's available on Amazon Books to start with, I believe I'm right in saying. Yeah, absolutely. So you can, you can um, order the book on Amazon. Um, it's also well, it's published by John Cat. Uh, so you can go onto their their website and uh, and order uh, copies of the book from from them directly. Um, it's also available in most uh, bookstores as well. So W H Smith, Waterstones, etc. Yeah, fantastic. So very very easily accessible. And obviously, it was published, yeah. I believe, uh, last month, wasn't it, Sam? In uh, May. So that's right. Um, yeah. Obviously, looking ahead to maybe this time next May, um, a year in, what sort of impact are you hoping that this work has in? Um, you know, improving things for people within the industry. My, yeah, my my kind of pipe dream, I guess, is that um, this book uh, will be referred to by um, teacher training providers, uh, by the ECF framework, by um, certainly some of the MPQs, the, the MPQ and behaviour, and hopefully it will be used by um, school leadership teams. I hope ultimately it just it positively helps people um, from at every layer every level within schools to improve behaviour in their own schools and to be more confident with behaviour and gives reassurance but also maybe some new strategies that haven't been considered uh, that people can actually employ in their own setting and and that it makes a positive difference. Exactly. And even if it does that for, say, one, two, three teachers and not mass numbers, I mean, it's been worth it, hasn't it, to allow that difference to be made even to them. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely fantastic and uh, let's certainly hope Sam that it does make the uh, the difference and of course do as well as you, you're, you're hoping there and you know I'd certainly love yeah. to uh, sort of reassess this actually um, a year down the line and just see what kind of feedback's been received on it and how well it's been sort That'd of be taken amazing. in by the uh, profession exactly um, until then um, thank you ever so much um, for joining us on the uh, the podcast once again it's been a real real pleasure having you with us and like I say wish you all the luck with uh, sort of the rollout of the book and hope it's well received in the profession um, and by all, means, um, by all means as well, Sam, uh, do k- take care and stay safe with all that's still going on in the world as well. Thank you, and for you. Thank you ever so much. It's been a real um, pleasure and privilege to be on today. Thank you. Mm, it's been fantastic. Um, it was indeed a real pleasure for us to welcome Sam Strickland, Principal at the Dustin School, back onto the Leaders' Council podcast. Um, and just to remind you, um, again, uh, do look on the Amazon website um, if you are interested in the book because it contains a very helpful description of uh, what can be found on the inside there. Um, and to all listening in as well, um, if you do um, sort of run your own school, you're the head of an organization or the head of a business and you do have your own story you feel to share with us here at the Leaders Council, then of course we would like to hear from you. So do apply to be on the program yourself via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply if you would like to share that story with us. Um, In the meantime, I've been your host, Scott Chaloner, on today's podcast with Sam Strickland from the Dustin School. And until next time, to all of our listeners, please take care and goodbye.